Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast with your host, Alec Jesse. It's been a little bit. It's been probably, what, two, two, three weeks? Haven't, I don't think I've done one in, in about three weeks. I apologize. Had a lot um, a lot I had to do school-wise, um, uh, covering WKU basketball for the Herald. Had to do stuff for that. And then mixed with uh, Thanksgiving break in which I was not home very much, actually. I was on the road a majority of it. Majority of it. I went to uh, three different games, so uh, that all added up to not a ton of time to do it. So this is a nice little point, though, to kind of do like a season recap. And then now looking forward, because now we're starting. We're in the heart of non-conference play. You're starting to get yeah, you're towards the middle of that. And um, most teams have played eh, five, six, seven games at this, this point. Um, you get kind of the the litmus test. Of um, the all the the tournament, the early season tournaments, Thanksgiving week tournaments are done, Champions Classic done. So now you can kind of take kind of a, a step back, look at where teams are, and then what they need to go uh, doing forward. So it kind of sets up nicely that uh, it worked out this way. So anyway, so we'll start with the Champions Classic because that's the last thing that I discussed on my last podcast. I previewed it, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, and. Uh, you know, we'll recap that. So we'll jump into that. We'll kind of jump around. There's also signing day stuff. Um, yeah, there's, all, there's also um, recruiting stuff to, to, to mention that's very uh, worthwhile. Um, I'll try to go in kind of chronological order. I'll mention Champions Classic stuff, then then signing day, and then uh, then we'll get into the, um, the kind of those uh, Thanksgiving week tournaments. All right, so first off, the Champions Classic. We'll go game one. Um, Kansas, uh, the score was closer than it really was. It ended up Kansas 92-87. Uh, this was obviously not the headliner of the night, but it was a, you know, it was still a top ten matchup. Uh, Quentin Grimes made himself known early and often. I mean, you kind of knew that you know that was going to happen. Quentin, Quentin Grimes like likely lottery pick, no doubt first rounder, almost surely to be a, a one and done. Uh, came on the scene. He had what do you have? 20, 20 points, twenty uh, twenty one points, and uh, really impressive. Uh, Dedrick Lawson kind of had a slow start to start the season. Uh, what was really impressive this this past week, which I'll get to. He had, he ended up with twenty points uh, in this game. But Udoka as a bookie, I mean, they they couldn't stop him. Michigan State, that is, and he had a big game with seventeen points. Still has a lot of fouls, but. Uh, it's clear he hidden coming back. He has improved his game, improved his fitness a little bit. Um, just an absolute load in the post. He's more than just a bully ball guy. He can, you know, but when he turn when he gets his shoulders uh, square on the block, catches it clean, gets that position. I mean, he's pretty impossible uh, to stop. Um, so they they came away with a rather uh, easy victory. Uh, Michigan State. Uh, really struggled early on to score the ball. They ended up shooting uh, over 50% from three, but um, they didn't get a whole lot. Uh, they didn't get enough out of Cassius Winston. They didn't get enough out of, you know, Josh Lankford gave you 18. You probably needed more than that. Nick Ward only gave you nine, five turnovers. Um, so it was it was clear Kansas was the better team uh, as of this game. But Michigan State definitely has some room to improve. Remember, their bench is extremely young. They, they start all they bring in almost all freshmen uh, off the bench outside of Xavier Tillman and Kyle Aaron's. So um, they still have they still have to adjust the rules. But Kenny Goins, former walk on, had a double double in this game. 
and that's a guy that they they need uh, to play well uh, opposite Nick Ward. <coughs> Cassius Winston, the best guard in the Big Ten. They need him to continue to play well. And Josh Langford, they need him to knock down some shots he did in this game. Now the big game, or the most talked about game that ended up not being much of a game was Duke and Kentucky. Um, obviously, I was wrong about this one. Most, uh, I think Ben Roberts of the Lexington Herald Leader did a poll of like, I don't know, a bunch of people, whether it's Kentucky media, Duke media, national media, on this game, and two out of the 32 polled picked Duke. Two out of the 32. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that percentage, but that's um, that's a high percentage. <laughs> just, just FYI. Um, it was clear from the get-go I mean, Duke just kind of hit Kentucky in the mouth, and there wasn't really much of a response. Kentucky did get it. Well, yeah, the first possession of the game, or the first Duke possession of the game, Trey Jones hits a three. It's like, watch, well, Trey Jones hitting threes. Cameron Rush was hitting threes. Um, they ended up 12 of 26. They were four of their first five, I'm pretty sure. Cameron Rush uh, hit a couple of them. But it was it was 11 to eleven to eight, and Kentucky had the ball. They, they kind of had a little momentum going. Someone, I don't remember who, took a bad shot. Probably, I think it was, might have been Tyler Hero, took a bad shot, uh, and it let out. And and then Duke got the rebound. They pushed the floor a little bit, and I uh, forget who pa- passed it, but and probably Barrett passed it to Cameron Reddish. It was a step. He stepped into a three, top of the key, a little past the the mark, and he, he nailed it. And, and, and there was really no response from that point on. Um, both halves was very consistent. 59-42 first half. That was uh, Duke's, Duke's advantage, and that was exactly the score in the second half. 59-42 is the exact same. A miserable performance by Kentucky. Uh, Keldon Johnson fought to the end. Uh, Reed Travis played pretty well. I mean, obviously, um, you know, a fifth-year senior, that's not a guy that's just going to roll over in that kind of situation. And Stanford has lost a lot of games since he's been there. So uh, I think he's been – He's been used to playing catch-up, uh, so that was no different. E.J. Montgomery gave you some stuff for Kentucky, but really the freshman and P.J. Washington really struggled in this game. Pretty pretty horrible performance. Tyler Hero ended up with 14, but he was only one for six from three. Washington uh, fouled out of the game only at eight points, two rebounds. Um, Nick Richards didn't give you any points. Quickly gave you six, all at the free throw line. Quade Green was the worst player on the floor in the game. He only gave you one point. While Duke, it was, I mean, it was the show. Zion Williamson, I had been kind of, eh, on his, uh, you knew he was an elite athlete. You knew he was going to, like, blow people away. But how good of a, how skilled of a player he was. Well, you found out real fast he was for real. And it, and he went up against grown men and he succeeded. He, it, was, it was his game to win. And he went out there and dominated 11 of 13 from the floor. And he got in the three party. He hit a three, 28 points. Barrett had 33 um, perfect storm for Duke. Uh, you have to wonder if this is the best game they've played, but I don't know. It's only November. <clears throat> they're gonna get, they're gonna get more in sync definitely on defense. But it was really, the, uh, what really hurt Kentucky. I felt like. I mean, obviously letting the big three score. I think they had eighty three combined. Is that what it was? Yeah, it, yeah, eighty three combined points. Uh, Kentucky had eighty four as a whole. That's pretty. Uh, you add in Trey Jones, uh, it would eighty nine eighty four. <clears throat> I mean that that kind of speaks for itself right there. It was, it was quite the blowout. Um, but there's those guys. But the the guy the uh, um, kind of the role players on the team played great. I mean Marquise Bolden seven points. He had four fouls. 
and he would play really well in Maui, as we'll get to. Um, and then Jack White had nine points and 11 rebounds off the bench. Alex O'Connell went three from four for three. It was really a perfect storm. There wasn't really anyone that had a bad performance on Duke. Now, it wasn't a, perf- a perfect performance by any means. I mean, they, uh, you know, they missed some shots. They, they, you know, they were 20 of 29 from the free throw line, 69%, I'm sure. Chesky, you know, his teams usually shoot the ball pretty well from the strike. It was not a perfect performance, but it was pretty close to it. I mean, you got pretty maximum performances from all your guys. I mean, all the big three had at least 20 points. Uh, Trey Jones gave you six, and he didn't turn the ball over. I mean, Duke had four turnovers, four turnovers the entire game to Kentucky's 15. Um, and, again, this, is a, this has been a theme with Kentucky. We'll get to it with their defense. And then, obviously, hitting the 12 threes. You know, that, that was a thing with Duke. Or were they going to be able to shoot? Well, the answer, at least in this game, was yes. And you know, they had 22 assists to four turnovers. Um, Barrett had six assists. Trey Jones, seven. Um, Zion dished out a couple. He had seven. I mean, it was just – it was men against boys, and they just totally – it was a total domination. Um Kentucky looked lost. Duke looked in sync. That's it was the complete opposite of what I thought was going to happen. I thought Kentucky would be in sync and Duke would be the team out of sorts. I didn't think Kentucky would win by thirty, but I thought they'd win by uh, ten to fifteen. I thought that most of the off season, and the Bahamas trip only re- reassured that fact. Um, but for whatever reason, ever since the Bahamas trip, Kentucky has taken a major step back, and this was quite the wake up call. Quite the wake up call. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that was the Champions Classic. There wasn't much. I mean, it was pretty clear Duke's the best team, and we all knew they had the highest ceiling. But but right at this moment, did you think they were going to be the best team? I didn't. I mean, maybe you did. I didn't. Um, but it was pretty clear they were, and they 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 were for real. Um, so there wasn't really a ton of other games between now and then uh, that were really worth talking about. I mean. I guess we could get into a little bit of Kentucky's struggles on on the court. So of their of their six games, they've played six games thus far. Uh, they're five and they're five and one, right? Five and one, yes. So they've beaten Southern Illinois, North Dakota, VMI, went through Tennessee State. Only one of those games they've won by more than twenty. Only one. Um, that's pretty. In, that's pretty incredible. I mean. You know, in, in Southern Illinois, pretty good team. I mean, for a mid-major, that's a pretty good team. And, you know, for a younger Kentucky team, you could see you could see how one of them is going to push you. But, you know, you know after the uh, North Dakota game, that was the only game they won by more. They won by 40 they won, or uh, 38, uh, 96-58. They played really well. I mean, you got pretty good performances out of, out of Tyler Hero. Um, P.J. Washington was awesome in this game. What did he go for? <clears throat> Yeah, P.J. Washington had uh, 25 points in 17 minutes of action. Um, you know, Reed Travison got in foul trouble earlier. In, early, it was either this game or the Southern Illinois game. Um, but he only had 11. He didn't get – because that was the thing against Duke. You know, he, he was pretty much their offense, he and Kelton. So how are they going to do it without him? How are the young guys going to do? You know, Kelton gave you 12, and he also gave you 10 rebounds. Uh, Tyler Hero gave you 18 points, and – uh, E.J. Montgomery gave you eight points. So you got a lot. Of, so you thought maybe in in you got a lot out of your freshman, and then you thought, well, okay, maybe they 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 finally figured out how to stop a team, right? Um, play a little defense. Seven for nineteen from the from three. That's pretty good. Nineteen for forty eight from the floor. That's 
39% under 40. That's pretty good. I mean, it seemed like Kentucky maybe took a step in the right direction defensively. But uh, that just has not been the case. Uh, since then, I mean, VMI came into Rupp. I think it was uh, two Sundays ago. And, um, you know, Kentucky won the game. They won the game by 10, I think it was. Yeah, 92-82. Uh, but Bubba Farnham uh, of VMI, 10 threes, 36 points, or excuse me, he hit 35 points, but he hit 10 threes. Uh, VMI set the record for the most made threes by an opponent in Rupp with 19. And um, they, 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 it was a six-point game at one point. I mean, they, they, were, uh, they were shooting the, the ball lights out. Um, Kentucky had it at 19 at one point, and they came all the way back. Then Winthrop comes around. They score 74 points. And that's a game Kentucky was up by as much as 26, and they only win the game by 13. Winthrop scores thir- scores 74, 13 for 28 from three. And then Tennessee, and then Tennessee State comes in. So the big concern right now for Kentucky, if we're keeping this straight, is perimeter defense. There hasn't been much of that. Okay, um, no little to no perimeter defense. And then Tennessee State comes in. So you're thinking, all right, well, well, now you know what to focus on with with Kentucky, and they actually defend the perimeter pretty well. They they do a decent job. Uh, six for sixteen. Tennessee State was like one of the top ten teams uh, in a three point attempt, so they jack them off or jack them up, excuse me, uh, they, all over the court, and they only attempted sixteen. So you're like, okay, maybe they took a step in the right direction there. <clears throat> but they still get to 40% from the floor. Straight line drives were a massive problem in that game. And there you go. So with Kentucky's defense, I mean, John Calipari said it after the game, we're just not a very good team right now. We don't have a lot of defensive confidence. And um, it's clear. I mean, this Kentucky team, I, my opinion with this Kentucky team right now, they're a good, they're a very good offensive team, top five. They're probably the best rebounding team. Uh, top top three. I mean, they are a, an elite rebounding team. Uh, Reed Travis, even when he doesn't get the rebounds, he he tips it up and up, and uh, it, that has a big time impact. They're a good, they're a really good rebounding team, but they're not a good defensive team at this point. And if Kentucky wants to win games that matter and wants to win the SEC, they're going to have to be a better defensive team. They're just going to have to improve. They don't even have to be great. I think with their offense, they can be. They need to be above average, but they don't need to be locked down. They don't need to be 14-15 defense. Uh, they don't have to be a great defensive team. They just have to be a good defensive team, a solid defensive team. Um, but they're they're atrocious right now. I mean, there's no other way to say it. They they defend the perimeter well. They give up straight line drives, and then and they've really even in the games they haven't defended the perimeter well. The straight line drives that's been a problem the entire season. Because that gives up wide open looks. I mean, Kentucky, they've been playing with fire with some of these teams with that, the amount of open threes they've given up. And when mid-majors come in, I mean, their thought process isn't we're gonna we're gonna feed our big and we're gonna jam it down the throat. No, it's we got we gotta shoot threes. That's your only chance at winning of these games. So um, that's I guess what is that? That's three straight of at least well, two, well Tennessee State they held them to sixty-two, but. Um, 82 to VMI, you know, 74 to Winthrop. Yeah, Winthrop very very well may win. I think they're in the Patriot League. Um, you know, they, they usually – they've made the tournament more times than not, it feels like, since, you know, the last five, six years. 
Uh, VMI is horrible. That Pittsburgh beat them by 50, and Pittsburgh's not very good this year. Um, so it's just it's surprising to see teams like that go into Rupp Arena and uh, and do what they they've done from the perimeter. I, I, if you're, I don't know what you do, but you know Ashton Hagens, he may be your best defensive guy, but he gives you absolutely nothing on offense, and that's got to change. Whether it's a, you know assist. Or any t- getting to the rim, he he shows some flashes. Like I, you know, I was at the game they played Tennessee State. He had a nice uh, alley oop to Nick Richards. He had a nice uh, layup in the first half, but not consistent enough. And you know, guys just haven't been able to stay in front of anyone. And you know, PJ Washington's really struggled on the perimeter. So I, you know, if you're Kentucky, I don't really know. If you're John, I don't really know what you do here. But the, the it's clear that they got to focus in on defense that's what's holding them back at this point so we'll see how that goes all right let's transition that's enough of Kentucky basketball um I'm not going to really talk about them the rest of it uh as far as the basketball team this year because they didn't really play in any of the tournaments um now we're going to talk a little recruiting now now I am going to mention a little bit about Kentucky but on the recruiting front um James Wiseman uh, the the big fish the, the big ticket uh, the unicorn whatever he calls himself uh, elected to stay with Memphis. Now, it was looking or stay home, and uh, he's going to Memphis. I don't know if he signed, but he committed, and he's going to Memphis regardless. Um, it's pretty clear that uh, it didn't really matter. He, he didn't sit and wait and see how Penny did. I mean, Penny hasn't done that well. I think Memphis is 2-3. and three. They, they lost their most recent game to the College of Charleston, um, and they weren't even favored in that game. They are terrible this year. They will. Last year they were actually they were decent. Last year with W. Smith, uh, they went made it to the conference semifinals. So they were a game away from a ticket from the opportunity to play to play for a ticket to the NCAA tournament last year. So while they were somewhat underwhelming, maybe throughout the regular season, they were in the thick of it in the American. Now the American's horrible conference, um, but regardless, I mean that's pretty um, that's that's pretty good. And this year I, I don't. That's not going to happen. I mean, they have, you know, yes. I mean, there was all, you know, when Penny first got the job, he he got uh, Alex Lomax uh, to from Wichita State. He got um, Antoine Jones to decommit from uh, Texas A and M and commit, and he got uh, Tyler Davis. I think no, I forget what his name was. Is it Tyler Harris? Uh, regardless, they got another point guard. He essentially he gobbled up all the local guys, and you know early on he got Malcolm Dandridge to go, uh, who goes to Memphis East, the same school Wiseman attends in high school, and um, and DJ Jeffries. Obviously, that whole situation, him decommitting from Kentucky, and uh, you know he ends up at Memphis. And if Penny's not there, he probably goes to a school like Mississippi State or Ole Miss. I, I don't think that's. Um, you know, I, I I think I don't think I think DJ Jeffries was decommitting from Kentucky. Regardless, I don't think it was the Penny was the reason for that. But Penny's the reason they got him after the decommitment. Um, he goes to Ole Miss or Mississippi State. He's from Mississippi. He's from a uh, I think it's Oak Branch, Mississippi. It's a it's pretty close to uh, uh, Memphis. Pretty close to the Mississippi Tennessee border. So anyway, uh, but it's pretty clear. I mean, they've got something going on. Um, they, they're Penny's rolling. He's getting all the local guys. Now the challenge is, can you get it outside of Memphis? Because for whatever reason, Memphis the past two these past two recruiting classes, they've, they've had pretty good players. You know, they have you know Wiseman, obviously that's that's been well documented. But DJ Jeffries, you know, that, that's that's two guys in the top fifty uh, in, in the class of twenty nineteen. 
And then Malcolm Dandridge is a four-star. You, know, you get last year, it's Tyler Harris, uh, Alex Lomax. These are all, you know, they're not elite, elite players, but they're, so, they're going to be co- solid college players in time. And they just all happen to be from Memphis this, in these two classes. Now the challenge is how do you go outside? Now they're looking good for Trenton Watford, who is, uh, I think he's from Alabama. It's Christian Watford's, I think his younger brother is what it is, or a cousin, something like that. It's one of the two. Um, they're looking pretty good for him. I'd say they probably at this point lead for him. And that's, you know, it's still, you know, not too far away from the Memphis area, but that's that's still a recruiting win. I mean, you know, Alabama and Indiana, uh, LSU all want him pretty bad. Um, now the challenge is, like I said, now like now going even beyond that, Matthew Hurt. No one really thinks Matthew Hurt. You know, he's been rumored to be kind of, you know, considering Memphis a little bit, but no one expects for him really to go to Memphis. You know, Jalen Green and R.J. Hampton of the 2020 class, uh, those guys both officially visited Memphis uh, back, uh, I think it was on my birthday, September 13th, back in September. I know it was mid-September. They they officially visited with the new NCAA rules. Uh, obviously, juniors can take uh, official visits. Uh, they you take a, a max of I think fifteen official visits, so um, yeah I mean like now they're starting to get a little bit to be cool, but if Penny is losing to college College of Charleston, you know that could wear off, and I don't think <clears throat> I think I don't think R J Hampton or Jalen Green will end up in Memphis. I could be wrong about that. Maybe they just really like it, but I, I you know when you get fifteen official visits these days, you it's not as exclusive to get one, if that makes sense. I don't think those two are going to end up there. I don't think Matthew Hurt's going to end up there. Um, but it's definitely – they're de- definitely making shockwaves. They're definitely relevant again, definitely, especially on the recruiting trail. Um, now, are they relevant on the basketball court yet? No. They will be next year when they have James Wiseman. That's a big get. I mean, that's the top player in the class currently. But is that uh, – but right now, I mean, they're losing games. And, and – that culture is going to have to change. I don't care how good, I don't care how cool Penny is or how done, well he's done early on. I mean, he's done great, but it's all local guys, and you got to get it beyond that. So uh, we'll just have to see. But it's clear they have recruiting momentum. Um, so right now, as the class rankings stand, um, Arizona, number one, USC, number two, Villanova, number three. Gonzaga number four. Gonzaga had a great week, by the way, signing signing period week. Uh, Louisville five, Kentucky six, Oregon seven, Florida eight, Ohio State nine, Auburn ten. Memphis is currently ranked for or twelfth. For those who are asking, pretty ironic. Uh, the Pac twelve has been terrible this season. Early on, uh, Oregon lost last night at home to uh, Texas Southern at home. Or yeah, I mentioned that at home. Um, Arizona lost two games in Maui. Uh, USC already has two losses, one a home loss to Vandy. And um, trying to think, Washington, who was ranked to begin the year, already has two losses. Um, like I think, I think Arizona State is the one team that hasn't lost yet, but they haven't played anyone. So that conference is uh, looking was looking to be stronger this in UCLA as well. They they looked horrible in, in the I think it was the, the thing out in Vegas the, the Advocare Vegas Invitational whatever that's called. They looked horrible out there too. So uh, moral of the story is 
Uh, the Pac-12 doing really well on the recruiting front. I think UCLA should be. Uh, they're 25th. Um, but, my goodness, um, they have been brutal on the court. But, uh, so, for as for, you know, so Kentucky misses on Wiseman. Vernon Carey cuts his list to three. Uh, it's Carolina, Duke, Michigan State. It's between Duke and Michigan State. Carolina doesn't have a chance. I don't think any uh, of its original five, which was Kentucky, Miami, Duke, Michigan State, UNC, I don't think any of the, the – I don't think uh, – other than Duke and Michigan State, there was no chance at this point for any of those schools. I don't think he's going to Carolina. Um, I didn't think he was going to go to Kentucky either. I, I was kind of glad that he cut. As a Kentucky fan, I was kind of glad that Vernon Carey cut Kentucky because that just wasn't going to happen. But, like, it, all the recruiting momentum that – so, you know, there was that crisis after the, the Zion Williamson to Duke. And for good reason. I mean, the top three – Guys that Cal wanted in class 2018 were R.J. Barrett, um, uh, Cameron Reddish, and Zion Williamson. And he not only struck out on all of them, he struck out all of them to the same school. You know, Cal has missed on guys in the past. You know, Jalen Brown, uh, Steven Zimmerman, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Jonathan Isaac comes to mind. Let's go, um, let's go to the tw- Let's go through some of the not. I mean, he's lost to Duke, you know, like in 2016, Jason Tatum, Harry Giles. He wanted those two. Didn't get them. That's fine. But, you know, the majority of misses were to random schools. Miles Bridges to State. Um, Jared Allen to Texas. Uh, and TJ Leaf, I think Kentucky was in it for him. Um, Raleigh Alkins to Arizona. It was kind of spread out. Uh, in 2017, you know, Kentucky wanted Bagley, but they didn't want him in class 2017, so they didn't get him. You know, Porter goes to Missouri after, you know, they hire his father. Bomba, that, that might have been the top player in the class they wanted. And he ends up at uh, Texas, of all schools. Um, I'm trying to think of who else they were going after. Lonnie Walker, that was a guy they offered to Miami. Um, you know, Trey Young to Oklahoma. So it had been all kind of spread out until last year, and uh, until it all they they all went to Duke. <laughs> all the top targets went to Duke. So you know then Cal kind of you know rega- regained the momentum after you know, EJ Montgomery, Ashton Hagen's Maxi getting those three in a row, and he had or he had Jeffries in the fold. Jeffries decommits, but no worries because Khalil Whitney's a better player. He is. It's fact. They take him instead. They get Dante Allen. They have all this momentum, and it's like, okay, well, they're looking good for Wiseman, right? They've been on him for two years. They've been looks like they've been leading for a year and a half. You know, Vernon Carey, it's no one really knows, but Kentucky's in a good spot. Um, you know, they they jump in uh, Oscar Shubway and, and Scotty Lewis, two guys that really they had to make up ground, but then it looked like at one point or another that they were going to land those two. Um, they looked like they were the favorites, and. You lose those two, but that was like, all right, whatever, that's fine. We haven't been recruiting those two as long, and the prior relationships won out. And then you know, they, but then Wiseman losing, it's like we Kentucky's been recruiting Wiseman a lot longer than Memphis has because Tubby didn't go after one of Duns. You know, yes, Penny, the prior relationship with Penny, uh, you know, high school AAU, you know, that that was what won out. Uh, obviously, because he committed to Memphis uh, four games into the season, didn't really wait to evaluate how Penny was doing. But you know, Kentucky had a pretty darn good relationship in that in that recruitment. And then, but you know, at least for Wiseman, he's staying home 
Vernon Carey isn't staying home. He cut uh, Miami. I mean, Duke and Michigan State have nothing different than what Kentucky has other than a great program. And, and same with Carolina. And Kentucky doesn't make that cut. And they weren't really – and it's pretty clear they might have been the last team on that list. I'd say that's probably the case. So Kentucky is definitely having some some drawbacks uh, from that previous momentum they had uh, in the early spring and summer. Um, I mean, they still have options as you know because they need front court. That's that's the need. Is they still have options? I, I doubt Isaiah. I think Isaiah Stewart's going to go to some random school, and that random school being Washington. I, his recruitment's weird, um, but I mean. You know, now all all in on Matthew Hurt. And they get an official visit this weekend, but it's uh, very interesting. It's very interesting, uh, those struggles. I'll I'll talk about that with the the Kentucky Sports Podcast with me and Tori Bowling tomorrow. We're going to record that tomorrow. So if you want to check, I'll go more in depth on specifically Kentucky recruiting stuff tomorrow. But I'll move on uh, from that. I mean, Duke's having their own struggles. Um, you know, they currently have Wendell Moore and uh, Boogie Ellis, but those aren't Duke kind of guys. And that compared to last year, that's nothing. Um, they very well may get Vernon Carey, but that's, that, I mean, I, I think Michigan State's going to win out in that recruitment, but it's very close. I mean, Duke very well could win that. Uh, but I think if I had to guess, I mean, Michigan State, they've gotten two official visits from him. Um, I, you know, they've been recruiting him a long time. I think the relationship with Tom Izzo, I just I see that as a tough get for Duke trying to get you know he got two trying to beat out of school they got two official visits um, but we'll we'll just have to see but you know for them for Kerry it's fifty fifty at best for for Stewart I mean you know I think it's it's definitely between Washington Michigan State and Duke um, I just don't see Duke getting them I, I, again I think Michigan State's they've had a they've been on Stewart a long time, a long time in Washington with this. I mean, Mike Hopkins has been on him even longer. So I just, I don't know. That's going to, that's hard, hardly a given either. And after those two, Duke really doesn't have any other targets out there. Now, obviously other names will emerge. Um, they could go grad transfer. There's other avenues for Duke, but it's very interesting. That's like, if they don't get those two, Cole Anthony cut them. Um, Anthony Edwards, the guy that reclassified from 2020, and he's probably going to Michigan or Florida State. I mean, that's that's kind of what that is. Jade McDaniel's, that's another guy Kentucky um, is in on, but it's it's Kentucky, uh, Texas, San Diego State, Washington, and UCLA. I, I mean, maybe Duke gets involved there, but they'd have to make up a lot of ground. Um, I don't know where Duke turns after that, so that's very interesting because I, you know I don't know with what they'll have back. Um, if they win the national championship this year, which I guess would not make this next class so important because you won the national championship, but, I mean, you have to imagine the, the four freshmen are gone. I think Trey Jones, I mean, he's played better than I thought. I think he's a, a, a definite candidate to go one and done. I think the, the, and the top three are definitely going pro. Um, and after that, it's like, well, does Bolden won another year? I mean, who knows? He might, but... You got him to stay two extra years. You're going to get a third out of him? I don't know. Um, it, it's interesting. I, I don't know how uh, Krzyzewski plays it if he misses out on Kerry and, and Stewart. But, yeah, definitely Memphis is picking up momentum. Arizona, admit all the FBI stuff. Them and USC. I mean, uh, Arizona, 
now with the top class after uh, getting the commitment from Zeke uh, Injai, I think is, is how that's pronounced, but uh, Nico Mannion and Josh Green, that's two pretty darn good players uh, that they got signed in the, in the um, fall class. Kentucky and Duke have a lot of work to do, as does Kansas. So, anyway, on to this load, on to the Thanksgiving weekend, week, excuse me, um, games. So, that those began last Monday. So, Duke and Maui. So, let's talk a bit more about Duke. Uh, this was an interesting trip for Duke. So, they played San Diego State and destroyed them. That, that was... That was always going to happen. Um, then the Auburn game came around. Auburn never really got within 10 most of the game. They ended up only losing by six. And they got that all at the end of the game. But uh, Marquise Bolden played awesome in that game. I think he had like 11 points, nine rebounds, seven blocks. Like He was protecting the – he was the five-star that Duke, Kentucky, and Kansas wanted. I mean, he kind of played that way. But uh, – um, but – it was interesting. Zion kind of struggled throughout this uh, tournament. Uh, originally, he came in and he missed only six shots, I think, coming into that tournament. And I think against San Diego State, he missed seven. I mean, it, so it was kind of interesting. But the game that really uh, obviously shocked the nation was Duke and Gonzaga. I mean, it was the best game uh, of the week. And Gonzaga, number one, is for real. Uh, they are without Killian Tilly, their their starting center, and it didn't really matter. Brandon Clark came in six blocks, defensive stopper. When they had him on the bench is when Duke made the run. I mean, Gonzaga was up by as much as 16 in the second half. And, you know, Brandon Clark got in foul, foul trouble, and then all of a sudden, R.J. Barrett uh, and Zion Williamson are kind of having their way. But Rui Hashimura, I mean, he came back, was going to be a top 20 pick, maybe even lottery and he's going to be in the top five. It, it, if he keeps it up, I mean that he's got, he can shoot it from three. He's got he he's got moves in the lane. He, he's a heck of a player. And then you got two veteran guards and Josh Perkins and Zach Norvell Jr. And you got a really good team. And Felipe Petrovic, Petrovic, excuse me, Felipe Petrusive, Petrusive. Uh, the freshman comes in and gets 11 points. I mean, what I say, I, I said Petrusive had to play well in Killian Tilly's absence. I mean, the, the only knock on Gonzaga right now is their injuries. And they and Gino Grand, or Grandall, uh, their grad transfer, he, uh, he's out four to six weeks with like a broken hand or wrist. So for them, it's injuries. Uh, and so that's what's really got them uh, in trouble right now. But... Um, what was interesting about Duke, so they were down most of this game. They didn't play well, right? But this is the this is what I thought could be a problem for Duke. Um, towards the end of the game, the last three possessions, you know, Gonzaga's kind of hanging on because they can't make free throw, and they got guys in foul trouble. Um, they're hanging on for dear life. And, and Duke, I mean, they're kind of doing what uh, – it's kind of it's – things are tipping in their favor. And they get like what three straight possessions. They tie the game or take the lead, and they and R.J. Barrett becomes a ball hog, and this is a problem for Duke. Zion Williamson didn't get the the ball the last three possessions, 
and he is as good as he's been. He might be the best. For, he might even be better um, for college ball than Barrett. Uh, Barrett's gonna go first, but my goodness, I, I you know Zion. I, I again, I underestimated him, and the dude's for real. I mean, went for twenty-two and ten in a Final Four, you know, national title caliber game. I mean, this dude is in four blocks, and, and he can protect. He can kind of do. He can do a, a lot, um, but Barrett kind of went ISO mode, went ball hog mode, and he got the ball, and he got and, and he got blocked. Uh, at the end of the game, I think Rui Hashimura got the game-winning block. This is a problem. This is gonna be a problem for Duke if it continues. Now, obviously, they got time, but this is and it's not one thing where it's like, oh, this is just one time. This has been happening. Now, I know the McDonald's game was kind of like it was kind of it's it's, it's an all-star game, but towards the end of the game, it got competitive, and it was it was R.J. Barrett. I forget. I think he's probably on Team West um, versus you know Team East and. Kelvin Johnson, and it was those two going one on one, and you know it's pretty predictable what you're doing when <laughs> when you're kind of waving everyone off and you're just going to the rim. And Kelvin Johnson, I think, stopped him a couple times, and they ended up losing that game. Shuts him down. Barrett gets kind of ball hoggy in these situations where it's close, and he doesn't, you know. He doesn't pass it, doesn't run any offense, doesn't get the ball to other playmakers. I mean, he's so good to where it should be like him – he should be looking to pass rather than score. I mean, against Kentucky, he had 33, and he was – I mean, he dished, what, six, seven assists, like I said. He, was look, he wasn't just looking to score. He was passing it. But I think when the game gets tight, he wants – he dominates the ball, doesn't really look anyone else's way. And how does Zion Williamson not get any touch? I mean, he is too good for that to happen. This was Duke's first mo- loss in Maui. Krzyzewski's first loss in Maui. I think, what was he, like 16-0 coming in? I forgot what he was. I mean, he hadn't lost. Krzyzewski had not lost a game in Maui in his career at Duke. And this was the first loss. You just got to wonder if Duke, if this continues, they get in these close games and then it's all Barrett. Like, that becomes very predictable what they're going to do in that kind of the selfishness that Barrett has done in the past um, that could bite them in the butt. It did this game. Uh, we'll see if they learn from it, but I'm eager to see Duke in another close game because uh, they hadn't really pl- they hadn't played any close games this far this year. I mean, I know the Auburn game got a little close, but they, they thoroughly uh, controlled it. I mean, they were in control pretty much the entire game. Auburn made some runs, and Duke answered. Um, so, but this was their first, like, true close game where, that, where it was it – was, it was 50-50 at the, or, you know, you're down two, ball. Uh, who's going to make a play? And Barrett, uh, he went ISO mode, and it didn't work. So, I'm eager to see how that works out. And also, Cameron Reddish seems to get in foul trouble every game. I, I've noticed that. Uh, he, had, he had four fouls. and it, He, for whatever reason, seems to get two fouls, like, in the first ten minutes every game. I don't know why that is. Um, Marquise Bolden kind of reverted back, only had six points. Played only 15 minutes. Yeah, I think Trey Jones is important. You got to have him on the floor, and the ball needs to go through him in crunch time, not Barrett, because Barrett, the ball sticks, becomes predictable, easy to defend. Uh, Trey Jones, guy can get to the bucket. He's not looking to score. I think that's who you need to have the ball in crunch time if you're Duke. But Gonzaga for real. I mean, can defend, can score. 
they got to get healthy because uh, you know they, they just have to get healthy. But it, you know, should they get healthy? It's, it's going to be a tough team. Like they they are good. They can win the national championship. Do not get me uh, wrong for, on that. Kansas had an interesting uh, tournament. They played in the NIT. Um, so they played Marquette. They were down by nine at halftime, and they went on a twenty-two nothing run in the first like nine minutes of the half, and they took control. Dedrick Lawson has been much better recently. He kind of struggled early on. Everyone kind of anointed him as the best player on the team, and I wasn't so sure. He's starting to play like it now. Against Marquette, he had 26, 12 rebounds. He's starting to be – he, you know, very much like Reed Travis for Kentucky. He's not the most athletic guy. He doesn't jump off the page with any of his measurables, but he's a good basketball player. He's a good college basketball player. He knows where he, – he, he knows how to play the game. Uh, he's got that old man game, that, that YMCA, you know, pickup kind of kind of a game. You look at him, and there's nothing too flashy, but he gets the job done. I mean – and um, he, he knows how he knows he's in the right places, and you know he can he can shoot free throws. You know he's, he's a good finisher on rim. He draws fouls. I mean he does, he does a lot. You know he's not gonna again like he's not gonna you know do Zion Williamson windmill dunks, send balls you know ten feet in the stands, ten rows up, whatever. Um, but he's he's a good <coughs> solid player. Now if he's Kansas' best player, kind of like with Reed Travis at Kentucky, if that's your best player. You're kind of screwed. Um, I don't think it's really possible for you to win a national championship if that kind of guy is your best player. They need Quentin Grimes or Devin Dotson, who is terrific, uh, especially against Tennessee. Uh, they, they need those two uh, to, to be the best players. So um, it, it, just a little note, uh, Louisville. So they, they lost to Tennessee, so they played Marquette. You know, Marquette lost to Kansas. They played, that was like the third-place game. And poor Louisville, um, they had a three-pointer. Jordan Wara hit a three-pointer that was called a two, and it was a, it was a clear three. You look at the video. Um, I think Seth, Seth Greenberg tweeted out to so go look at his tweets from like Friday or Saturday, and it was pretty clear it was a, th- a three-pointer. They called it a one, they called it a two. Game goes into overtime. Louisville could have won with that point, obviously. They lose in overtime. And they were up by as much as nine. They shouldn't even. It shouldn't have even come down to that. But it's just, it, it's 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 sad for Louisville because this that's a game they need to win. I think with Louisville, they're gonna, they're better than I thought. Um, they play hard. Uh, Jordan Wara is good. He's a good college player. Um, and they're better offensively, but um, they have flaws. They they're going to struggle to finish the game. They're going to be competitive in most games they play. Maybe Duke or UNC blows them out of the water. Who knows? Uh, but they're going to be competitive in most games. I mean, they put up 81 on Tennessee. Tennessee's a good defensive team. That was the first game, obviously. Um, that's a really good defensive team. But um, are they good enough to win some of these games? I don't know. I mean, we're we're gonna have to see. But they definitely they're they're better than I thought. They're gonna. They're going to be in it, but it it you know that that game against Marquette that's a fifty fifty game that they lost and you know that that's kind of a bubble game. You're going to go back and you know, around tourney time you're going to you're going to look back and it could be Marquette and Louisville will probably both be on the bubble um, because they're both going to have some nice wins and some losses that make you go ooh and you know who won that game in in New York in the NIT and it's Marquette and that that that's going to help them big time <coughs> uh, going forward. 
Marquette, by the way, underwhelming thus far this year. Uh, you know, like they, they should have lost to Louisville. Marcus Howard's been good, obviously, but I feel like in the bigger games, he's kind of disappeared a little bit. So that's that's interesting. Um, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, we'll we'll have to see how that um, if he can pick it up. But Kansas and Tennessee, that was that was uh, I think it was on a Friday. That, that terrific game, by the way. At, so that that was following the Louisville Marquette overtime game. Um, absolutely great basketball game. Kansas ended up winning after Tennessee lost Grant Williams. They had no offense. So if you want to beat Tennessee, foul out Grant Williams. Get him in foul trouble because when he's on the bench, they don't have anyone to play through. Admiral Schofield's good. He made some plays in overtime. He was their only offense. Um, it's amazing how those two guys. I mean, that's their team. You take those two guys out of it, they're man, they're, they're barely an IT group. Um, not, not, I mean, Jordan Bone, Jordan Bowden, they were both pretty good last year. Jordan Bone had uh, 16 points. He's been very good this year. But my goodness, they struggle without Williams on the court, and then Schofield's having to kind of play one on one. He's not. He, he's not that kind of a player. Um, he, he he scored in. 21 points on 22 shots uh, in that game. But in, you know, Lamonte Turner, they got to get him healthy because that's their best shooter. That's probably their, that's their best bench player guy coming off the bench. Uh, but Kansas, I mean, you could just tell there was a team that knew how to play. Um, there was a team that knew how to play in those kind of close games. And uh, Tennessee was just, you know, they're not, Tennessee doesn't, the only teams that Tennessee plays of that caliber, usually a year, are Kentucky. And, you know, play, they, I can't even tell you the last time Tennessee played Kansas. I, I can't. So, but for Tennessee to be in that game and really should have won it, uh, they, they kind of blew it down the stretch. But, um, yeah, I mean, you could tell Dedrick Lawson kind of took control towards the end. Um, you know, Kansas had a horrible free throw shooting game. But, but really good basketball. Devin Dotson, like, he, he looks really good. Hard to stay in front of. He had 17 in this game. Played all played 40 minutes. And, and again, that was, that game went into overtime as well. Uh, it's clear. Like, he knows how to run the offense. Quentin Grimes kind of struggled of late. Um, I, I think he'll get it going. But it's that's kind of interesting that Devin Dotson's kind of taken the forefront as the rookie. Uh, LeGerald Vick's been on fire from three. That He's going to be their spot-up specialist this year. He's a good shooter. I mean, he – I think he had the one game, forget it, I forget who they play, but he hit like 10 threes. Or he went like nine of nine from three. He made all of his threes. Pretty crazy stuff. Um, their bench, Kansas bench may not be as good as uh, as maybe people thought. K.J. Lawson, I was never a huge fan of his game. I feel like he hasn't had a big impact. David McCormick doesn't play. Uh, Mitch Lightfoot doesn't really play either. They put Charlie Moore in a lot, and they're going to need him as a backup point guard to uh, Devin Dodds. Those two, are, that's, that's a good little guard combo. <clears throat> but we talked about ten, or Kansas. Again, they're, they're going to be good uh, throughout the season because they have experience. They need Quentin Grimes to step up, obviously. But they should, I mean, they can win big games now. They're going to be able to do it in March. Um, they're undefeated. They're the number two team. And I think they are the, the second best team. Um, I think they deserve the second spot. I think Duke's better than them. I'd probably rank them Duke, Gonzaga, Kansas, but uh, Kansas is pretty good. I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, look forward to Kentucky-Kansas in January, and if Kentucky improves, that should be a heck of a game. But for Tennessee, you know, impressed that they stayed in this game. They fought. You just have to wonder, you know, you know Auburn's got a lot of firepower. I haven't even mentioned them yet. 
Uh, you know, Kentucky, if, if, if should they improve? I mean, Cal Perry has always seemed to get his teams ready by March. Um, you know, how much better is this team going to get? They play the same brand they did last year. Their guys don't look – I mean, they don't, they're not going to be a, a whole lot better, I feel like, in March. Uh, so you have to wonder if they've hit a ceiling. But right now, they're one of the – yeah, they're absolutely, I'd say, a top five, seven team. Um, they're good. They have good players. They, they, they're scrappy. They're tough. And they make play. I mean, they got some good players. And for Tennessee to be in this game, even though it was clear Kansas was the better big game team, you know, they stayed in it. They hung around. They had chances to win. You know, it's just when I think Grant Williams is in that game in overtime, it's a wholly different, totally different story. Totally different story. But he wasn't. Um, and when they lost him, they didn't really have anyone to run the offense through. But I think so. I think Grant Williams. You know, I've I, I said last year I, I like Schofield more than Williams, and you know, he played better. I feel like. I, I think Bryce Brown should have been SEC Player of the Year. You know, that's just my opinion, but you know, it was Grant Williams. Um, but he, it's clear he is the he he is the most important te- person for this team's uh, offensive success because when he left the field, they went cold, they were inefficient, they turned the ball over, they were discombobulated. So that that's for Tennessee. It's very important that they keep him on the court at all times. Now we we'll go to the Vegas. We got Battle of Atlantis. The Battle of Atlantis kind of blah this year. Is you know Virginia and Wisconsin were in it. That was the that was the that ended up being the title game. Florida, by the way, just a note. Florida has already lost three games. Lost to you know they lost to Florida State their first game on the road. They lost pretty badly, but I gave them a pass because Florida State's good and that's a road game. But then they went to the Bahamas. They lost to Butler and Oklahoma. Those are two teams that I do not think. Are tournament bound at all? I, Oklahoma's going to take a massive step back. I mean, Trey Young's in the NBA, and Butler. I mean, they. I guess they could fight for him, but Florida looking like a uh, looking like they're going to have a rough year, and, and I, that's sh- shocked me. I had them ranked inside my top twenty. I missed on that. I mean, it, maybe they turn it around, but it's clear. You know, between Kayvon Allen, Jalen Hunts, I thought those two coming back was going to be a, a big boost for them, and it just hasn't happened. But anyway. Wisconsin Virginia was your title game. Virginia won. It was exactly what I expected it to be. It was a 53 46 game. For Virginia, they're going to win 30 plus games. They're going to they're going to dominate lesser opponents and they're going to hold Duke probably to 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 50 and Cameron Indoor and win that game. But when it comes to tourney time, the way they play does not win tournaments. And it does it, I mean you saw last year um and you saw the year before people people forget the year before Florida beat them about beat them by 40 30 or 40 um you know Florida ran them off the court more athletic teams are going to beat them and that's how it is last year that's how it was the year before that's how it is this year and um you know t- props to Tony Bennett he's, he's a very good coach they're good at what they do but it just doesn't suffice come March. It, it doesn't. And, and maybe they get they finally get to a Final Four this year and they shut me up. But until they do that, that's 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 my attitude uh, pertaining to that. So the Vegas. Whew. So Texas looked awesome. Uh, Kerwin Roach is a beast. I mean, he seems to just dunk on everyone. I mean, he just he just goes in on people, and it's fun to watch. Uh, but so Texas beat Carolina. Uh, in the opening game, Carolina, no defense, <laughs> 92-89. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, Texas, maybe this is the year that Texas finally – it seems like every year Texas is like a 10-11 seed in the tournament and they blow it to a team like Butler. Like, like that's the kind of that, – that's, that's what they do. But maybe this year's different. I mean, they left – that you know they ended up losing to Michigan State in the in the championship. Michigan State, by the way, looked really good. Uh, got really good guard play out of Langford and Winston. So uh, they looked they looked much better. Um, but my goodness, like Texas has some momentum right now. They look really good. Um, they have a lot. They have good players on their bench. Like this Jackson Hayes kid. Kentucky remember, Kentucky offered this guy before he committed to Texas. Texas and he he scored 15 points in 25 minutes and you know as a sort of a project big that's pretty that's pretty pretty good um, but Kerwin Roach is kind of their leader and he I mean since I I can't remember if he's a junior or senior but regardless I mean he he has transformed his game he's more than just a uh, an athletic guard I mean can shoot it when three for three from the three point line had 32 points in the win. Um, and you know, they upset Carolina, but Carol, but really the biggest biggest story was UCLA it came into this thing uh, undefeated at seventeenth, and they looked horrible uh, in both games. They had, uh, Michigan State beat them handily. I mean, they were up by twenty points almost the entire time. Uh, discombobulated on offense. Moses Brown only had five points. Moses Brown's been really good. He's been a bright spot for them, but it's clear those injuries and whatnot have kind of hurt them. A little bit, and then the next day, um, uh, excuse me. The next day, so uh, Carolina destroyed them in the second half. Uh, UCLA was up by as much as nine in the first half. They they took a five point lead to halftime, and then Carolina beat them a whopping fifty three to thirty two in the second half, and uh, won that game handily by sixteen. Uh, for Carolina, Colby White's good. That dude can shoot the ball. He can score it. Um, it's clear that they're going to have to keep him on the floor. Cameron Johnson looks to be a better player la- than last year. Luke Mays kind of struggled, but Nas Little. I mean, that, that that's going to be for Carolina. That's your guy. You know, if 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 he is if he is the lottery pick, the top three to five guy, that's where that's where you, you have a chance. Uh, but you know, teams like Carolina. I think Aaron Torres made this point that teams like Carolina and Villanova, who Villanova—that's another team I got to get to before we break out of here. Um, like, they don't play their freshmen like Duke and Kentucky. If you make a mistake, you're out. Like that—that that kind of deal. And I, don't, I don't agree with that, but that's the way they do it. And schools like Kentucky and Duke, they'll live with those mistakes for freshmen. Uh, you know the way Villanova and North Carolina build their teams, they do not. Uh, they, you know they have someone else up. All right, so last two teams before we break, Michigan and Villanova. Michigan. So Villanova is ranked eighth, and, and they've been playing pretty well. And the Michigan smashed them by by thirty in Villanova. No, I, I didn't expect that to happen. But it's clear. You know, Michigan last year they weren't very good. Early in the season, this year they are. So it's kind of interesting to see, you know, is it reverse? Whatever, I don't know. But Michigan currently undefeated. They're ranked seventh. They look really good. Charles Matthews having a having a heck of a year. Uh, Xavier Simpson, the glue guy. Uh, but, you know, Michigan right now. I mean, they have to them in Michigan State. I mean, it's going to be a war 
for that first place in the Big East or in the Big Ten, excuse me. Uh, now to the Big East, Villanova, they have really struggled. They're not shooting the ball as well. Um, that now they ended up they won against. They got some momentum. They beat Florida State, so I think they they deserve to be ranked after that. That's a pretty good win for them. Um, but it's clear they are not the same offensive offensive juggernaut they were last year. They went th- they only went three of of sixteen, three of excuse me three of fourteen from three. Villanova did even in a win. Against Florida State, it's clear they just aren't the same offensive team, offensive juggernaut. Um, you know, and it's just amazing to me that you know, uh, what's uh, Javon Quinterly? You know, I thought he was the start, the bona fide starter point guard, and Jay Wright really doesn't play him, and uh, you know, because he he struggled uh, here lately. But it's clear that I, you know, with Villanova, I they're going to improve. They got a great coach, but. Um, the the way they played last year ain't gonna cut it this year, and now they're starting to finally feel the effects of losing guys early. You know, Bridges, Brunson, Spellman, Divincenzo. All right, so previewing this upcoming week, we we're right in the middle of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, I think there there was a couple games. Yeah, uh, Nebraska won at Clemson. I like Nebraska this year. I think they deserve to be ranked. I think they're gonna go to the tournament. Um, and then, again, on a side note, Oregon uh, lost to Texas Southern. I just think it's kind of funny. Uh, pretty bad loss for Dana Adelman. But anyway, Michigan State at Louisville. My pick, Michigan. I will take Michigan State in that game. Louisville could win. I, I, I absolutely acknowledge that. Uh, but they they could win. Uh, didn't really get to – I forget what it was that was in the garden but the week before – Spring break or not spring break? Thanksgiving, excuse me. My goodness, I'm always already thinking about the tournament time. Um, Iowa has been terrific thus far. They beat um, they beat they beat UConn. They beat Oregon. Like kind of destroyed both of them. They're ranked 14th. Uh, Tyler Cook and Luke Garza front court. I mean, it's been terrific. So uh, another interesting matchup. Nevada goes to Loyola Chicago. Uh, Louisville, Chicago, not nearly as good as they were last year, so that'll be an interesting game. Nevada currently ranked fifth uh, offensive juggernaut thus far. NC State goes to Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin will take care of them easily. And obviously, uh, Indiana goes to Duke. Uh, I think Duke's going to blow them out. But interesting matchup. Romeo Langford uh, going to... Going to Cameron Indoor, uh, you know that's that's a lot of that's a lot of NBA talent on one court. Uh, that's for sure. You got Virginia goes to Maryland. Maryland now ranked after you know, they beat Marshall by like thirty. Uh, so uh, I, you know we'll see. I it would not surprise me in the least if Maryland wins that game. They got some athletes. Aaron Wiggins. Uh, I, I like Anthony Cowan. Big fan. Uh, Bruno. Fr- Fernando Fernandinho, that dude is a load in the paint. And then Purdue at Florida State should be an absolutely fantastic game as well. And then North Carolina goes to Michigan tomorrow. That's at uh, 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central. Um, that terrific game. Two, you know, Carolina dropped to 11. That should be a really good game against two, pretty, two very good teams in Michigan. Uh, can they keep up their success? All right, that's all we got for the posting up podcast this week. Again, let me know. Uh, get let me uh, please download. Uh, let me know what I can do better. Tweet me, text me, whatever you got to do. Email me. Um, and thank you all for listening. 
Um, it has been a pleasure. I, you know, I, I don't know when I'll do one next. Um, hopefully before, maybe next week. I, I may not be as busy, so I'll be able to do one. But either way, uh, have a great week. Good luck on anyone's doing finals. Good. Uh, have a great, you know, kind of this holiday season, and uh, watch some college basketball. It's starting to heat up. I can't wait. And uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, peace out.